0: We honor you today. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Uh, A couple of things as you're getting seated. Um, And we're dismissing for Children's Church here. Um, I want to take a minute just to remind you of our Christmas Eve service. And I say this every year uh, about the Christmas hymns. Um, On Christmas Eve, we on purpose take a journey, the journey of Christmas through with the hymns. And you say, Pastor Don, we do that the same, it's the same thing we do every year. Yeah, you, you do the same thing every year at Christmas morning and you don't change that either. So, but... We do this in particular and on purpose because if you pay attention to the hymns at Christmas, they are the gospel being sung. And this is the only time during the year where the world is singing our songs. They're singing the gospel and they don't even know. And so I, I want us to uh, gather together on Christmas Eve, we'll keep you for an hour, and uh, just take this one final journey to the Christ candle and the aspect of Advent and walk through that in, in such a powerful way. Uh, I hope that you will make time to come with us and sing and, and as we uh, uh, light the Christ candle and then every other light in the room gets lit from the Christ candle. It is an incredible evening. Uh, and so it's one I hope that you'll come and enjoy and make part of your Christmas tradition. Amen. Um, and uh, a couple years from now, I don't, is it next year even? Uh, Christmas will be on a Sunday morning. Next year. So I'm going to put this controversy to rest this year. Yes, we will have church. Okay. All right. I just put that to rest right now. Is the, the controversy of whether churches should have church on. Yes. We're, I don't get into the controversy of it. We, I'll see you. Amen? Um, anyway, um, I, 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 yeah, I, we're celebrating Jesus' birthday, just not on his birthday. We're not going to celebrate. Anyway, uh, I got you. So lots to look forward to uh, and the goodness of God inside of all these things. So uh, I want you to turn me this week to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and I'll read a portion of Scripture to you. Not necessarily the Christmas story. We'll get to that later. But I want to read verse 13 and 14 um, for us this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angels. Everybody say, with the angel. A multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, And on earth, peace is a good word. Somebody say amen. But I want you to grab a hold of the place that the mission of Christmas is targeting. On earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Maybe your transition says on whom those he rests. Father, would you just bless the reading of the word to the receiving of our heart. Help us to hear it. Let it be a seed planted in our life, God. Let it grow to the fruit you want it to, especially during this time. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, I want to talk to you today about peace, in particular about peacemaking. And I want you to grab right from the start that I believe that peacemaking is completely different than peacekeeping. God did not call his people or his church to be peacekeepers. God calls us to be peacemakers. And I want to walk through this message that was given to us on this morning. Uh, this, uh, this event that's happening here in Luke Chapter two as we talk about the second Sunday in Advent peace. Now I read an incredible story, and and I cannot give you the full story. You should go and read it for yourself. You could just do a, a simple Google of uh moleskin, mole one word like the critter, moleskin pants, Christmas gift. You will laugh. I'm going to give you the gist of it this morning for time's sake. Are you ready? Uh, and and I, it has quickly become one of my favorite Christmas stories, especially after reading this. You got traditions at your house and your family, uh, Christmas-specific traditions that happen. Like a, maybe other families don't do these little quirky things that are your family's traditions. You know, I, I, some of you people love to play like the, what is that thing called, the white elephant gift? It's such a violent game for Christmas. <laughs> and it, it is, it's such anti the heart of Christmas. Stealing people, see so a bunch of Grinches and you like it. You know these, these little traditions that you have uh, around Christmas. And I think all, all families have them. Me, this, one is, this one is outrageous and it's true. It is true. Two, two fellas, uh, uh, two brother-in-laws... One by the name of Larry uh, Kunkel and the other by the name of Roy Collette. Now, some time ago, the New York Times actually wrote an article, and it's been verified by Snoops. Uh, It started in 1964. Larry, his mother, gave him a pair of moleskin pants for Christmas. Now... The pants, because of what they were made out of, froze stiff in the Minnesota winter. Can't wear them because they would just freeze stiff. And so Larry re-gifted them to his brother-in-law, Roy. Now, next year, Roy returned the gift to Larry by wrapping the pants in a one-inch piece of pipe. Now, Larry had to work to get the pants out of the pipe. And they passed these pants. I can't read you the whole story. But they passed these pants back and forth every year for the next 25 Christmases. I'm not done. It's not done. you got to read the whole story. The money they had to invest in this. The packaging became more and more difficult to open each year. And the rule of the game was, as long as the pants were not damaged, you had to continue the game. Now, watch this. So, Roy, one year, sent the pants to Larry in a 600-pound safe that he had welded shut. (laughs) So, the very next year, Larry responded... I think it was a Gremlin. Do you guys remember the car, Gremlins? My dad had one. I mean, a beast of a little car, right? A tough little engine in that thing, right? Larry responded the very next year by putting the moleskin pants in the glove box of the car, promptly taking the car down to the metal yard and having it compacted into a three-foot cube. And shipping it to him. It's all you can read it. I'm not making it up. The New York Times confirms the story. It, it goes on and on, and that's not even a. So Roy later sends the pants back in an eight foot tire filled with six thousand pounds of concrete, with a note that said, "Have a good year." Good, good year tire. Good year. You'll get. The tradition ended when Roy tried to have the pants encased in 10,000 pounds of jagged glass. But during the process, the hot glass burned the pants to ashes. (laughs) And that tradition has been an epic tradition that has gone on through. It's confirmed. You can read the story, Moleskine Pants Christmas Gift. It's in there. Now... Why do I open the message of peace with that story? I I thought it was epic, and it was a great way to lay this out. Because there are all kinds of traditions that we have at Christmas, and I'm going to be honest with you, frankly, I have no idea why we do them. Right? I mean, we spend the whole year at our house trying to keep everything that's outside from getting in and then at christmas we promptly go outside cut down a tree and bring it inside right. my, my sister sent me an article that said beware of these little bitty combs on trees that you bring inside because people were going and getting christmas trees and bringing them inside and these little bitty hardwood balls that were on that people just thought were pine cones were actually praying mantis eggs and the, and the warmth of the house would trick the praying mantis into thinking that spring had happened and all these baby praying mantis thousands of mantis all over the house. We, then we take the lights from inside the house and we put them outside the house. There are I mean, just all kinds of traditions that, that we have that we really, why do we do them? Now, I, I'm not getting into the super spiritual debates. I'm just, I'm not going to do it because there's no fruit in it. There's nothing. Listen, we have a tree inside our house, and everything that goes on the tree represents Christ. I, I, I know that maybe it happened because of some Norris God and who liked beer and Yule logs or something. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I can't do it. I can't do it. Here's my point. Much of the world takes a moment to pause at Christmas. Somebody say amen. They sing our songs. They sing the gospel, the world, at Christmas. And even though many people don't really know why, When we look at the first proclamation of Christmas that came from heaven to earth, the voice of the angel speaking to the shepherds, we are reminded of why. Why we do what we do during this season. The angel proclaimed what? Good news of great joy to all people. What? What is the good news? The Messiah is born. You want want to preach the gospel this time? Just start singing a Christmas hymn. Watch people start singing with you and go, Hey, can I walk you through that scripturally? Can I walk you through that biblically? Watch this. You're singing our songs. I I need us to understand the peace the angel proclaimed was not a proclamation of world peace or a declamation of the end of strife. Not at all. It's actually much bigger than that. Through Jesus, the barrier of sin has been removed, church. And we now have a relationship and a peace with God. Do you know why most people... And and I'm I'm just Pastor Don. It's my commentary. I'm writing. You do what you want to. I'm not anti-Santa Claus. If you know the true story of St. Nicholas, you might think a little bit different about where it comes from. But the modern-day idea of Santa Claus... I have a problem with. Because the blessing of Christmas comes if you've been good enough. And you can't be relational with Santa Claus. The most you can do is write him a letter and apologize for your naughtiness. And we, we teach this stuff to our children. That you get the blessing of Santa if you've been good enough. That you get you you can you can't be relational with Santa, but you can write a letter to him asking for what you want. But see, that it's 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 very much the opposite the Christmas story. It's a rescue mission. Why? Because God does want to be relational to us. And God isn't interested in how naughty you've been. He's been interested in how powerful His act of redemption is to make you, to make you, to make you worthy. Christmas will fire me up, man. I wasn't raised in church. This is not the message I heard at Christmas. My family was a loving family. We were a little crazy. <laughs> but I, when I became a Christian, I understood that peace comes from faith in Jesus because of the forgiveness that follows. I mean, the the greatest example is Luke chapter 7. Come on, church. There's a woman who lives a sinful life, verse 37, and she comes and she washes the feet of Jesus with her tears and her hair, and Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven, and everybody freaks out. And just to add to their freaked outness, Jesus says it out loud so everybody can hear him. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Glory to God. I mean, think about what is happening here. Because of the forgiveness of sin, we have peace with God. And the wonder that the angel proclaims here is glory to God in the highest in heaven and peace on earth. There's a declaration of peace that belongs to those whom the peace of God rests on. That is so good, church, when it comes to Christmas. That is so amazing. The Lord's favor rests on those who live in the truth of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And then those people are the ones who can give the Christmas gift away. Peace with God. In the manger laid the peace of God. The gift of God to us was a Savior who would forgive our sins so we could have peace with God. And I just need to say this to you. If I said last week that Christmas was a rescue mission, and if that is true, what's our role? Once you are rescued, what's your role? You see, oftentimes, especially in the modern world, we, we think rescue is the end all. Great, I finally got rescued, but that is just the beginning. What, if, if Christmas is a rescue mission, what is my role? Where, where do I work? What do I participate in? What is my role now? And I say to us that because Jesus brought peace with God, one of the greatest responses we can have to this news is becoming peace proclaimers. And all of our Christmas traditions, all of our Christmas preparations, all of our Christmas celebrations should be about proclaiming peace. But here's a truth that I know is sad, but it's true, especially because we live in a Western materialistic world. And if you don't think that's true, just just listen to the news. Uh, Please don't, I mean, never mind, sorry, don't, so one time I asked you not to, all they're saying to you is Christmas is ruined, Christmas is ruined, Christmas, because of supply chain demand, because of this, because of that, Christmas is ruined, you're not going to buy, start buying your Christmas presents in October, and then my spirit, I'm just like, I want to take a golf club to the TV, and my wife's like, you're not getting a new one. But there is a truth that most families experience relational pressure and difficulties during the season. I mean, a lot of families, the Advent and and Christmas season actually bring more strife and conflict rather than less. Nearly every family listening right now at a family gathering has at least that one relative that requires extra grace. And if your mind, you're thinking right now, oh, who is that? I don't know. No, not a, you're probably the one. <laughs> Donnie, <laughs> why is your wife pointing at you? I don't think so. Matt. <laughs> As people who have received the grace of God through Jesus, I'm a church, just think about this for a minute. We have a special opportunity to become proclaimers of that same peace with our families. Matthew 5 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now see, I, I I'm not a semantics time of guy. As a matter of fact, semantics probably drive me crazy. But I do think word choice is important. For instance, ladies, you're you're not a, come on, you're not a helpmate. I hear this all the time. Oh, I'm a help. God created me to be. You are not a breed cow. That's not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says help meet. And every woman in here should own that. God created you to help meet the vision God established, the mission God established in Adam and your husband. And without you, he cannot do it. And you are to say, "That's right." Now, I've been trying to tell him that he won't listen. I'm not a helpmate. I'm a helpmeet. I'm the, that You what? The, you can't do it without. Me. When you see this word peacemaker, please do not transform it to peacekeeper. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, those who count themselves to be children of God are those who join Him in proclaiming His peace by making peace with others. Now, watch this. Peacemaking is not the same thing as peacekeeping. It isn't. When Jesus brought us uh, a peace with God, he didn't, create, he didn't create an uneasy truce. He brought us back to unity and harmony with God. Jesus didn't just tolerate us. Come on. I mean, come on. You, you, we've all been in a room where you just said, uh, "Oh, just to- and even your spouse or your, someone has said to you, please just, be, just tolerate them. One hour, just one hour, can you just tolerate something? Don't say nothing. Jesus doesn't just tolerate us. Don't, don't, he, he just, he restored us, church. He didn't make a way to endure being with us. Come on, somebody. He made a way to be near with us, he made a way to have a relationship with us. At one point, uh, the United Nations had 16 peacekeeping operations around the world. I wrote this down. Uh, And this is how the United Nations explains what they do in these operations. They say this, literally, this is their slogan. Our peacekeepers help prevent conflict to reduce human suffering. That sounds great. What they do, our peacekeepers build stability and prosperity in societies, enable people to reach their full potential. Now, we all hope that they're moving forward in their peacemaking. But the problem is, peacekeeping is just preventing people from acting out on the hate that's actually in their heart. There's a big difference. Peacekeeping tries to prevent conflict. Peacekeeping tries to keep people from destroying each other. Peacemaking goes much deeper than that. Peacemaking is what God did for us through sending Jesus. Peacemaking church restores relationship. It brings us to harmony. It, It does what nothing else can do. It goes beyond just avoiding, right, and separating conflict. It brings restoration, relationship, and unity Jesus made lasting, lasting restorative peace between us and God. Aren't you in this room right now? Aren't you listening right now? Aren't you glad that the angel did not proclaim and on earth tolerance towards those whom he decided to endure? Aren't you glad the angel didn't proclaim and on earth God puts up with those on whom his favor rests? No, instead, he brings true peace. And for many of us, I get it. I get it. The Christmas season is a reminder of the lack of peace that we have. I understand that. Conflict with parents. Hello, y'all. I want to do something. I want to say something that has blessed my spirit this week. Um... The, the Wells boys right here, I, just, you, I didn't say this to you personally. I, I, I want to say it as you pastor publicly. And this is not, I just, these boys are in the college. And they did excellent. First semester grades are 99. I, I, I can't remember. What, what were they? Nine, nine, Mark's like 95. I got a 95 the first semester. 36 hours you put in the first semester. Right? 98. Right? These boys on Wednesday night were being late to class because they were playing basketball. And so they're having to do some extra work and those type of things. And and they were tired of being late to class. So they went to their basketball coach and said, hey, basketball coach, this is what we're doing. We're taking Bible college on Wednesday nights, trying to get an associate's degree before we graduate high school. And we're we're really trying to do these things. And, And we're late to class because of basketball practice. What can we do to not be late to class? So they enter into an agreement with their coach that they will come early to practice and run suicides. Now, I remember puking running suicides. (laughs) And I remember having to do a suicide in under 25 seconds. Or else it didn't count. Baseline, free throw. Baseline, half court. Baseline, free throw. Baseline, full court. Suicide. Right? I remember... Do one on a soccer field. (laughs) Come on, Eddie. My boys are running suicide so they can come to Bible college. Most people aren't coming to church on Sunday because they got a hangnail. I am proud of you. Now, the other kids are doing great too, and I just, this week I was just blessed by that story because I know what a suicide is like. And, and they're thinking this brings peace into our life. This, this brings something into our life that is incredible. And, and I think about how they have to wrestle, they're, they're not wrestling with their parents. Well, maybe in some other areas, but... I've seen your mom deadlift. Y'all better not mess with her. She will hurt you. Conflicts of parents with children. Brothers and sisters. We just want to survive the holiday without the same old fight. Many of us are struggling to keep it together, try to cling to whatever peace we can hold on to. There's more for you than that this Christmas. I I I want to declare that prophetically, but you have to receive it. A son or a daughter of God brought to God through Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. This is who you are, and you don't have to be a peacekeeper to try and survive the holiday. Instead, proclaiming the good news by being a peacemaker is the transformative power of the mission of Christmas. Let Let me give you an example. If we decide that the only way Christmas can be successful is by getting everyone that we care about everything that they want, even though we can't afford it, you're not proclaiming peace to your life or theirs. As a matter of fact, what you're doing is you're guaranteeing stress, guilt, and dissatisfaction. You're fostering an entitlement into people's lives, especially people you love. That's a gift that keeps on taking. You know, I tell you how I know that because all you're going to reap from that is payments and interests. You'll get to live in the stress of Christmas all year long because of the choices you're making right now. Now contrast that with sitting down with our families and saying, "Here's what we really want for Christmas: peace." If your family can only be happy because they get everything they want, maybe you'll be doing them a favor by disappointing them. Oh, Pastor Don's preaching today. I can't wait to hear DTS on that. Because maybe you'll actually proclaim peace in their hearts that'll last forever. Because I want you to know that your life is more important than being consumed by a materialistic aspect, being consumed by a self-centered aspect of Christmas. Oh, come on, right? Giving is better than receiving. And you know, in your spirit, you're smiling, but inside you're like, on that. (laughs) Bring me some gifts, right? I asked Holly this week, I said, so uh, anybody sign you up for the Pickle of the Month Club yet? You get pickle? No, no pickle a month club yet. Tim, did you get some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? I dare someone to put peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in Tim Carpenter's mailbox. <laughs> I love you, my brother. <laughs> uh, that is hilarious, Tim. He's never going to be able to come to church or even check the mail at his house from ever now. Soggy, smushy, molded. <laughs> it's not the gourmet peanut butter they promised me. Peacekeeping, peacemaking. Peacekeeping tries to appease. Peacekeeping tries to patch together. Um, Peace making deals with the underlying issue, and it brings healing and restoration. That's why Jesus did it. Let me talk to you something a little deeper in a little bit of time that I have here. One of the dangers of this season is getting caught up in traditions and so wrapped up in trying to create the idealistic holiday that we forget the mission. Remember, Christmas is a rescue mission. We are on mission with God. It's an incredible thing. And, and, and James chapter 3 reminds us, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. It's right there in the Word. I don't have a trick Bible. Why? What's wrong with this season where we're at in society, right? The church needs to reclaim this mission. The church needs to reclaim this holiday. The church needs to take this thing back from the world. We should be more concerned, amen, with peacemaking and not less concerned with those who strive us or, or, or cause drama. Or Come on, church. How can we live out the gospel with our friends and family? Making connections and conversations with people that come to us during the season. Now is the time to pray for wisdom. Now is the time to consider how we proclaim Christ to people. Now is the time to be wise like James describes. You know what I've learned? That just because I'm right doesn't mean I'm righteous. You can be right and do the wrong thing with the truth and still be wrong. And I would say to us, we need to be less concerned with being right and more concerned with being relational. If you're if you a person that is more concerned with always being right, I guarantee you you're a person who struggles with relationships. And the ones that you have probably aren't pretty deep. Instead, do you have relationships with people that are deep that you even disagree with? Uh, Malin can remember Mr. Chuck Smith, old Marine, Southern Baptist man, didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And we were a little Pentecostal church in Florida, right? And Mr. Chuck would come, and he was coming to our church, and everybody knew him. He was a good man in the community. Good man. If he got a cold, let me tell you how tough he was. I mean, he was a Marine. He was a tough guy, but he loved Jesus. If he got a cold, if he felt ill, let me tell you something. He had the cure for COVID years ago. He would take a spoonful of powdered cayenne. Dry. I mean, if it didn't heal you, it killed you right away. So you were done either way. (laughs) And people used to always ask me, Pastor Don, how does Chuck Smith go to your church? You guys are Pentecostal. He's Southern Baptist. And I would say, because Chuck Smith and I aren't worried about what we disagree on, we have decided that we can live on what we do agree on. And that is Jesus is king. And he saved us and set us free. <laughs> and When God spoke to my family and I about moving to Michigan, it was tough. It was hard. There were two people of all the relationships that I have that that said, yes, God has spoken. Two in my whole life. Two. One brother was so mad that he said, if you move to Michigan, God's going to kill you. He said that to me. But Chuck Smith, I sat in his living room, and he looked at me and he said, I always knew God was calling you. And you better get, boy. He said, I'm going to miss you, and I thank you for loving me, but you better get. I was a Southern Marine. If nobody else was speaking, you better, you know what I'm saying? You know who the second one was? My father. Who wasn't even a believer. He said, if God has spoken to you, I I suppose you better do what you've been told. If you're more interested in being right, you're never going to be in a relationship. Some married folk can learn a lot from that. Hello, somebody. I've learned that just because I'm right doesn't mean I'm righteous. And there's some family members and friends that love to bait us into unproductive arguments and drama. And I see it like some kind of shiny fishing lure that's dangled in front of me every time. And what I want to do is argue. What I want to do is correct. What I want to do is fight. What I want to do is defend. But every time I take that bait, church, you know what it does? It doesn't change their mind. It just drags me into the mud hole. You know, sometimes the righteous thing to do is to lay down your need to be right. Avoid getting distracted from the real mission. I want to be able to pray with anybody who's ready to receive Jesus, even if we disagree. I'm I'm praying this year that our church and everyone in it, right, is ready to proclaim the message to anyone who's willing to receive it. Being a part of a church and a family is important. Long-term relationships, whether they're good or bad, right? It's always God bumping us into someone so he can be shared with them. And if there are relational struggles this season, remember that most people aren't born annoying. Most people aren't born rude. Most people aren't born opinionated or crude The one thing we all share is brokenness. And the one thing we all need is grace. Oh man, that is so good. I'm not a person sitting in this room, and me included, and I, I am willing to debate doctrine. I don't mind that. I'm not willing to argue about it. I'm willing to debate the idea of theology and Walk through some things. I, it, it doesn't, it, I'm not offended by all that stuff. But the one thing I know is I've never argued a person into a relationship with Jesus. Not one time. You ever done that? Ever argued somebody into faith? No, you won't do it because that's not the way it works. But we have loved a whole bunch of folk right into the kingdom of God. And watched Jesus clean up some people. Just watch Jesus clean. See, our job's to love them. Jesus' job to clean them. Just love people, man. If Jesus can't clean them up, neither can you. I'm just going to help you out right now, cause you just to rest right now. If Jesus can't fix people, you sure can't. If Jesus can't change people, neither can you. If my job is to be a peacemaker, my job is to introduce them to the one who can give them peace to the things they've been struggling with, who can bring peace that overcomes addiction, who can bring peace that overcomes depression, who can bring peace that overcomes discouragement, who can bring peace that overcomes brokenness. My job is to introduce them into the man who brings peace. That's my job. So many people feel so unworthy, so unworthy, so unworthy. And isn't that the battle? I'm just not worthy. I'm just not worthy. I'm just not worthy. We didn't get to Jesus by going to him. Luke chapter 2 says, the angel, a Savior's been born to you. A sa- read it. A Savior's been born to you. The Bible college has said, hey, there's some classes that you can take out and put your own stuff. And I was like, man, I want to put one in about how to read your Bible. When people learn to do that, man, reading your Bible is not a duty. It's not a burden, man. When you start reading in such a way that God pours revelation out on you, you're going to change you gotta see—it's the Word of God that changes my mind. It's the Word of God that changes the way I think. It's the Word. See, we we gotta start to have a biblical worldview. And when I say those terms, most people have no idea what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, if you're gonna have a biblical worldview, you gotta see the world through the Scripture. See, the problem is most Christians have a worldview of the of the Bible. That's why we on YouTube trying to discover our doctrine. Do you understand how much whack? Someone sent me something this week about something that's whacked. Wh- whacked. I'm like a general idea, a general look would say that's enough to go. See, we don't do that because we want someone else to read it for us. Now I'm preaching, I gotta move on, it's Christmas. Even the most difficult and draining people are precious to God. Somebody say amen. Amen. You see, when we moved into the new neighborhood we was at, I I literally said, hey, I'm going to go to the party where, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on that maybe I don't do. I'm and going to hang out with some folk. And I I prayed as we were there that night. I was like, God, I want to know who's the most influential in the community here. There is a power broker here. And I want to be friends with him. I'm going to be friends with him. He's got influence. I don't care why. Hello, somebody. Don't care why. I'm going to be his friend. How can you do that? Because I'm a peacemaker. Do I do it right every time? Absolutely not. Come on, somebody. Just this week, everybody say this week. I had to apologize to Doug Schwartz and David Campbell. Personally, I'm gonna confess it. I was stressed out. I was aggravated. I was frustrated by a lot of things. And I lost my hello, somebody. They didn't deserve that. And I just humbly said, you know what? Forgive me. No excuse. Forgive me. You don't deserve that. I did not do well. Come on, church. They were all human. And I don't think the requirement is perfection. And I love those brothers because they were quickly to say, okay, let's move on. What are we doing? In order to walk in peace, Jesus brings. Be disciplined in where we allow our minds to go and the things we allow ourselves to think about. For uh, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 5, I love this scripture because when I was working through my battle with uh, pornography and deliverance out of it all those years ago, this is the scripture Pastor Rick gave me. It says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Casting down evil imaginations to try to exalt itself above the Savior. Take it captive. And if I did it once, I did it a thousand times a day. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. Think on whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's whole. These are the things to think, right? We got to get the stinking thinking out of our mind. And see, here's the deal. Here, let me give you a PD version of that scripture. You're not ready because if I ever had my own version, this is what it would say. Think about what you think about. You struggling with anger? Well, don't be mad. Just think about something else. Don't think about this. Don't think about, don't think about being mad. Don't think about being mad. Don't think about what you're doing. You think about being mad. Let me prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. You're not ready. You, have, you ever had an argument with someone in your mind? Trying to figure out how you're going to win this argument? And you go down all these scenarios, man, in your mind, you're fighting with this person. I'm going to be right. No, that didn't work. All right, I'm going to back up and go this way. And this is what I'm going to say. Right in your head. And you walk up to this person, they got no idea y'all been arguing for a month in your head. (laughs) Who's the one with no peace? Come on, come on. Listen, uh, spouses have done it. I've done it i told y'all outside of the salvation of Jesus Christ, the love of my wife is the greatest change agent, right? And I have argued with her in my mind because I am right. But I also know that if your intent is to wake up one morning and make a little Thai woman mad, that is not a good plan. Brian, it's not a good idea. You're trying to win an argument before you even get started. Come on, somebody. You can't bring peace that way. Sometimes we need to prepare our hearts and our minds for an interaction. I'm not saying don't do that. But rather than preparing and defending ourselves ready for a fight, what if our thoughts were centered on... How can I do it different this time? How can I do it different this time? Shock somebody who's expecting a fight. I mean, like, when they come up to you, they are ready. They're pumped. They know it's coming. Here we go. Just shock them and agree with them. The Bible says to do what? Agree with your adversary quickly. You take all the power of the argument away from you. You know what? That's cool. That's cool. Come on, share some more. And then don't even say, just, hey, move on, get some gravy. Just move on. And leave them sitting in a room going, wait a minute, did we fight or did we not? Hosea, Hosea chapter 8. The book of Hosea really isn't about Gomer at all, it's more about him. He says, Sow the wind in your mind and you will reap. The whirlwind in your relationships. I don't, it's right there in the box. You've been arguing with people in your head? You're not a peacemaker. You're a peacekeeper. But see, peace proclaimers use wisdom and patience instead of jumping to conclusions. Peace proclaimers refuse to take an offense when they feel slighted. Let me just say this in this culture where everybody's offended, what's wrong with being offended? I'm just going to say it over and over and over again. What's wrong with being offended? Get over it. You are an adult. If that person don't offend you, somebody else is. Just get over it. You know, it sticks and stones. Whatever happened to that? Well, we used to teach that to our kids. Now we tell them, oh, just get offended. Oh, yeah, you, you, I'm so offended. So? So what? Do you know how many times I've walked away from a lunch or a breakfast meeting with, with, with David Campbell and, and been like, that was rude. <laughs> They're my feelings. And every time I would tell David that, you know, you hurt my feelings. He'd be like, okay. What do you mean to do about it? Make me feel sorry for you. See, that was why you got your feelings hurt to start with. Because you came wanting somebody to be sorry for you instead of came looking for a solution. These thoughts, we got to deal with them. Peace proclaimers won't give themselves over to rumor or an offense that's based on one side of the story Or another person's telling of that story. There's always three sides to the story. You better listen to a counselor right now. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you so much money. His side, her side, and the truth. Let me tell you this story. Because I believe that peacekeepers... I'm going to close with this. Peacekeepers, because I know some of y'all... Uh, you Michigan fans, y'all should have been the most joyous singing people in this house this morning. Every one of y'all shouting and giving Jesus all the praise, praying you don't have to play Georgia, Alabama, so you should have been fasting. Because I know at noon, y'all are interested. I know what's going on at noon today. Y'all ready for. I got a story to tell, and I'm going to close. Because proclaimers always hope. Proclaimers, Peace proclaimers always believe. Peace proclaimers always endure because we know we're on mission with God. I'm on mission. I'm, on, I'm not in a hurry to get out of here. Y'all stuck with me till Jesus comes. I might have to come in here on a walker and sit in the back row, let these guys do all the work. If they're willing to run suicides to come to church, I'm not afraid of letting them do it. Not afraid. Alvin Strait, that's his name. He's 63 years old. He got in a disagreement with his brother Henry. and They're separated by 240 miles. The two never spoke again for 10 years. When he was 80, Henry had a stroke. Alvin heard the news and he decided it was time to reunite with his brother before it became impossible to do so. At 73 years old, Alvin, his sight was too poor, and they had taken his driver's license away from him. So Alvin promptly loaded up a trailer with gasoline, camping gear, and food. And he hooked that trailer. It's a true story. And he hooked that trailer to the back of his riding lawnmower, and he set off 240 miles to go see his brother. At a top speed of five miles per hour, it took Alvin straight At 73 years old, six weeks to make the journey from Iowa to Wisconsin, a journey that he fully intended to make peace with his brother. One month later, Henry recovered from his stroke, and Henry moved back to Iowa to be closer to his family. Now listen to me, Pastor Don's not giving you an impossible mission because we all know that you can't make anyone change. And let me, just, let me just give you a deep sigh of relief. It's not your job. Jesus is the way maker. Jesus is the change maker. You can't make anyone do much of anything if you want to be honest. My wife said, well, her and I were talking about something the other day, and it was a little disagreement about what was going to happen. It wasn't anything major. And she, she, finally, she just said, you know what, just, just do whatever you want. And I said, I'm a grown man. I will do, I'm going to do what I want. I'm a grown man. Do what I want. She said, you usually do. she just walks off, she just makes a statement like that she's not bothered, she's not worried about the voice, you know what I'm saying she's just like, you usually do and off she goes to do whatever it was she's doing hello somebody and not bothered by it, and I think man when she comes back in here, I'm gonna get it my ears about to get boxed no not bothered you can't make anyone do much of anything But you can proclaim peace. Come on, somebody. Pastor Donald, share something with you this morning. How far are you willing to go to share, share the peace that you have with Jesus? With those around you. How far? How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to take the first step? See, somebody gotta go first. Might as well be me. My wife says, Oh, you love conflict. I'm like, no, I don't, I hate conflict, but somebody's gotta go first. Might as well be me. Just. I, mean, I can't even sleep at night because of this thing. I just go, just go first. I'm mean, gonna get out of here. Just I want to, you know what I'm saying? Are you willing to take a stand this Christmas for peacemaking? Alvin Strait went 240 miles over six weeks to be a peacemaker, and his relationship was stored. I love that story. But let me tell you a story that I love more. Will you stand with me? Y'all not ready? Alvin Strait went 240 miles on a riding lawnmower with camping gears for six weeks to be a peacemaker. And that's amazing. Blows our mind. 73 years old can't see to drive. What a story. Let me tell you about a bigger story. Let me tell you about a better story. Let me tell you about a story that will change everybody's life. A story that no one can deny or forget. It's a story that they sing about every year during this time, whether they're a Christian or not. Jesus crossed the chasm of heaven to make peace with you. Glory to God! That's a story. Jesus crossed the chasm. Listen, I want you to chasm. He crossed the the divide to make peace with me and you. And it was so powerful that an angel showed up with a host of heaven to sing about it. Peace on earth. Peace on earth to those whom his favor rests. It's right there in your Bible. You right there in Luke chapter 2, you are to underline it, circle, highlight it, and write, right next to it, that's me. Peace on earth. To whom is favor rests. Merry Christmas to me. Come on, Merry Christmas to me. You have bought yourself a present. Come on. You have bought yourself a present and told your spouse, look what you got me for Christmas, Holly Gantz. Holly I mean, uh, no, um, sorry, Holly Look at Justin. He's like, wait, what? I stopped and get some crickets for my spiders the other day because they need to eat too. If you don't know, I got a whole collection of tarantulas. Had it for years. And I was in there buying some crickets because, you know, Michigan don't grow crickets. You grow rocks, though. You grow lots of rocks like potatoes, but and I and I seen a spider there that I know, like, it's called a Goliath bird spider. It's like a big, it's huge, it's a baby at this point, but it, I know what that, that's like a $500 spider. That's why I don't have one. And they had $69 on this thing, and I called the lady over, and I was like, hey, that's not the right price on that. I just want you to know. And she was like, well, it doesn't have a lot of color like the other spiders, so nobody wants it. I'm like, but I need you to understand, because I need to walk in integrity. Let me just pull this up right here. These are the breeders that I buy spiders from, and this is a $500 spider. She's like, I'm sorry, they told me to mark it down because nobody wants it because it doesn't have a lot of color. It just gets big. I'm like, yeah, it gets huge, 10-inch. I mean, it'll fit your dinner plate, right? Y'all want me to bring her? She's sweet. So $69, I'm like, man, I hadn't talked to my wife about buying another spider because my wife's not really happy about all my spiders. <laughs> especially if one gets loose. And so I said, hey, I want to poke it. Get out. So I poked it, and it was healthy, and everything was good. I was like, I'm going to take that. And so I walked out of that store going, man, I didn't talk to my wife about buying this spider. I know she's not going to be happy about it. So I get home. You know what I said? Guess what you bought me for Christmas? <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. And you got a deal, sweetheart. Because I know women's like deals, right? Let me tell you about the deal you got. She's like, this spider's going to live 20 years. I said, absolutely. You ever done that? You ever bought yourself a gift and look what you got me? Justin, you all right? Look, he's still
1: looking at Holly.
0: (laughs) In the midst of our traditions and celebrations, even our obligations, think of the gift you give people. Jesus bought a gift for you. A gift that even as you give it away, it still remains with as, as a matter of fact, the more you give it away, the more of it you have. Be a peacemaker. Come on. Be a peacemaker, church. This church right here. Us people. Uses. yous, However y'all say it up here. Peacemaking. Christmas is our mission. Peacemaking. Who's that person Who's that person that you don't have to be right with anymore? Who's that person that you can say, listen, if he's going to drive a lawnmower, 204, I can do this, I can do that. How, how do I share Jesus? Come on, can I pray with you? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we celebrate mission. You have called us to be peacemakers, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that allows us to do that. Lord, there's not a person among us who doesn't have a difficult relationship that wonders how we going to do this. Father, remove the preconceived ideas of the argument in our mind and just give us a heart of love for this person. It's not about being right. It's about sharing the peace that Jesus came and gave. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, sing this song with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: So come and consume me. Yeah Lord My heart is ready. God if I burn a burn for you. Come on, church. With, With no, no hesitation, hesitation, without reservation, God if I burn a burn. Give me a fresh fresh fire on, church. Give me a fresh fresh fire yeah. I want what you desire I wanna burn for you Give me a fresh fresh fire Give me a fresh fresh fire I want what you desire I want Breath that I'm breathing, each moment I'm giving. God, if I live, I live for You. Yeah. I love Your presence. You're my obsession. Go, set a place, I control, I want that fire.
0: peace. Thank you, Lord, that you crossed the chasm and brought peace. We light this candle not only as a symbol, but as an embrace of the mission of Christmas to be peacemakers on earth. Anoint us. Give us wisdom to carry out the mission in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Turn around tell your neighbor, your omission, your omission.